Hello, welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv slash rolltogetherrpg slash schedule. Please do leave a review and we look forward to adventuring together. This is our, our weekly Friday chat show where we talk to people uh, about D&D and TTRPGs and other nerdy stuff. And, and look look who I have here. This is, this is Jess, otherwise known as uh, Angry Nerd Girl of the Angry Nerd Girl channel. I'm very pleased to have you with us here today. I should say, I'm, I'm Nat. Hello. Most people who are here know me already. Uh, if you don't, hello. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Hope you're having a wonderful time. Um, I'm going to stop rambling now. <laughs> I should let you know this stream will run for about an hour unless we really get chatting. Although I think, Jess, you have a bit of a time limit today. So no, it will run for an hour. Um, and before we get started properly, um, thank you very much to our sponsors and supporters. You can see them arrayed around us on the screen as we speak. Uh, that's Hero Forge, Ultra Pro, Phoenix Dice, Alchemy RPG, Idle Champions, Neverwinter, Elderwood Academy, and D&D Beyond. You're all wonderful, marvellous people. And as are our d20 club on patreon who are all very excellent people as well and um, they they help us by uh by by donating a little a little monthly contribution and but they've also done things like set up a discord and a fan wiki and uh if you want to be as cool as they are and um, there will be links in chat for you to to join in as well um you can listen to to this on podcasts and such and also on youtube and twitch immediately after the stream uh, and you can find us on socials as well. Uh, for all of those places, just search for at Roll Together RPG. Chances are you'll find us. Uh, right, that's that's all of the important bump out of the way. Uh, Jess, hi. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Yes, I'm. I'm really great. Um, I, I've had a bit of a manic day, so I, I'm a little bit <laughs> scatty. Can you tell? Uh, but I'm pleased to be sitting here to talk nerdy with you. Let's do it. <laughs> so the way that this tends to run is that we have a d20 and I will roll that d20 and it will come up with a question that we will talk about to find out more about you. But I think to give our, um, our audience a little bit more context, could you please tell me about you and your channel and what you do and why you're here? Because you're part of our Roll Together stream team. Sure am. Yeah. Uh... My name is Jess, pronouns she, her, and the main thing, uh, well, I'm a game designer, and the main thing with my channel is we uh, have a show called Three Flings every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, although for half of our cast, that is Saturday because they are in Australia, <laughs> and uh, that it started as a show where we ran every Adventure in the Uncaged anthology and was three tieflings going through it, and that was 111 adventures, and now that that is done, we have a we spotlight uh, independent games 
and games by small uh, publishing houses or small designers, independent designers, queer designers, and uh, we rotate the GM every month. And so far we've been doing one shots this month. We are doing independent games focusing on dads primarily, and we're doing a big fundraiser for Pride Month for the Montana Two-Spirit Society. And uh, Christina Sista Kindle is our GM, and I'm so excited. Amazing. So you've got lots going on at the moment then. Yeah. I have to ask, you're doing what TTRPGs based on, on dads. Are they what, like sad dads, vengeful dads, reluctant dads? Uh, so one, uh, the first game that by the time this airs, you will have missed, uh, but you can watch on our channel uh, and on our YouTube is uh, a game called Dads and Decks, which is a lasers and feelings hack. You have two stats. Uh, one is dad and one is deck. And we are all playing as dads from Dream Daddy. Uh -huh. And the one that we are doing this week is... Um, a game where we are all playing, uh, we're, we're doing for the queen, but um, the queen is the baby and we are all playing Pedro Pascal characters. Oh, that all sounds like, um, have you heard of the, there's the, I think it's a, 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 a one shot, um, maybe a solo game. Uh, it's like Pedro Pascal and you're on the run with a, a, a magical child. Um, and it was by Oliver Oliver Darkshire, I think. Oh, yeah, Ollie's one of my buddies. I must have missed no that one. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, he's done a couple of those with uh, like being a halfling, and I think it's called Potato. It was uh -huh. one of the first ones he's done. Ones with uh, like Dracula and a couple of other ones. They're they're good. I love those. Amazing. Well, I can add add it to your collection of. Uh, I of will. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Amazing stuff. And um, yeah, tell us more about the charity streams you're doing for the um, the Two Spirits Society. Yeah, so um, we are currently, hopefully this will be sorted out by the time this airs, but uh, we're trying to set up the Tiltify and uh, Tiltify isn't set up for Montana Two Spirits Society. So what we're doing is just linking to their PayPal and uh, encouraging our viewers to donate throughout the stream instead of having like the whole integration with the goal and everything. But we have contacted Tiltify and we've contacted them and said like, we're doing a fundraiser for you all month. And uh, we're trying to get this worked out. And um, because Montana is one of the states, um, we have a Patreon and we asked our patrons, uh, they're sent them forward charities that were all local so one in indiana one in oklahoma one in florida and one in montana that were all working for trans rights because those were four states that are really um hit hard right yeah. now i mean there's also tennessee there's there's a lot it's bad here right now but um we kicked it to them and we're like which of these would you like us to fundraise for and that was what uh won the poll so you're trying to fundraise for them great and it's um, a trans uh, well two-spirit and native uh society so hopefully we can do some good there yeah amazing um hopefully the links will have made their way to the kobold so we can post that in our chat as well because uh, that's something we're, we're passionate about as well and would like to help from a little uh faraway corner yeah, yeah. that would be awesome 
Uh, great. So uh, that's a little bit about you and your channel and what you do. Let's let's get into these questions. I am going to roll a d20. Roll that dice, as so sometimes they say. <laughs> that is a number three. So Ooh. I appreciate uh, that you work uh, with a variety of TTRPGs and indie RPGs. This list of questions is trended towards D and D. So that's fine. Uh, I can answer in D and D. Okay, good. <laughs> um, although, if you find well, I'll, I'll ask the question first. This is: uh, What is your favorite character class? But if you sit there thinking, okay, I can answer in D and D, but in this TTRPG over here, I've actually got a much better one that I really love. Tell us about that as well. I will actually. Um, so, in D and D, I'm usually the perma GM. Uh, so when I get asked to play. I usually play a druid or a bard, usually a moon druid, just so that I or nature druid, so I can fill in like whatever the party needs. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that. I love being able to shape shift, and I love uh, the bardy things, the face or whatever. Um, but you could do so much scouting as a druid. You could be a tank as a druid. Uh, as long as you, yeah, you can fill in any role. And I love uh, the flexibility that um being able to turn into an animal gives you yeah yeah, yeah. uh outside of D, D, in spire there is a class that i love so much um and i believe it's called see i call it i said i was excited about it and now i'm doubting what it's called um <laughs> i think it's called the blade but basically uh you have captured gods and tra uh -huh. tiny gods and put them in your weapons and you're like magically attuned to your weapons and i always think of it as like the batman class <laughs> nice you just got and a whole array of stuff for any situation yeah that really is what it is like you have um uh a bottle that like whenever you give it to your enemies they have to tell the truth but it doesn't work on you you have a knife that like always strikes true uh you can infiltrate anywhere once per session kind of thing you have a rope that like will always hold uh once per session kind of thing and i just i love that and you can like talk to your weapons because nobody oh, else will talk to you because you're a weirdo who talks to your stuff <laughs> I mean, that's a gift for both a, a player and DM right there, right? As a, as a player, yeah. like, ah, DM, I have five magical god objects that you have to do oh. different. <laughs> Talk to me. Let's play. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I've had so much fun playing that class. Amazing. Have you had uh, any particularly, like, memorable moments or silly moments with with a dm with like one of your weapons or or objects my dm didn't voice the weapons she preferred to just have me uh think that they were talking to me right. and was just like so you talk to them and um i'm not gonna say what they say because uh you're in public so I never heard them, but she was like, but you know that they listened and are going to do what you said. Sure. What they would thing. say would be far too rude for the public to hear. So Right. Um, but I did get to do some fun infiltrations because Inspire, you're all uh, dark elves, mm -hmm. uh, like fighting against light elf oppression. So I did a lot of infiltrating parties and like abducting light elves from the bathroom mm -hmm. and 
taking them places. Nice. It's uh, it's funny how many uh, TTRPGs nowadays tap into that. Uh, I think the deep desire we all have to take apart terrible structures. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's really fun. And uh, and in terms of druid, you said was it um, the the moon druid? No. That one's my favorite because you can right, shift yeah. the most. Yeah. I do. I yeah, know I do people like love Circle of Stars. People love yeah, Circle fun. of Stars because it's the most powerful in terms of raw numbers. But I just love being all the animals. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta go. Yeah, numbers are fun, but flavor. It's all about mm -hmm. the flavor. My partner plays a moon druid uh named quilbo braggins who only shifts into a porcupine and that is all that he does <laughs> and he only Incredible. speaks porcupine and does he, does he spend his time like would he prefer to spend all of his time porcupine yes yeah where possible yes so just waiting for someone to eventually get true polymorph yeah, he's a halfling who spends most of his time as a porcupine and is only a halfling when he has to be. What are the what are the tactical benefits of being uh, like obviously is literally nothing being a porcupine. <laughs> like I'm pretty good at defense, I get self-defense, I guess. Yeah. But not particularly stealthy, not particularly like mobile. <laughs> he's a good distraction. Yes. Especially when a wizard casts like fly or enlarge reduce on him or both right. at the same time. So when people are like look at that giant flying porcupine, mm -hmm. this kind of blimp that's just coming towards you with all the spines. Yeah, Amazing. and he's just like screaming across uh, a party. Do you have any um, any hot tips for anyone who's not played a druid before that would love to? Ooh. Yeah, I would say um, druids are, they are deceptively challenging because you are going to need a lot of animal forms. So first talk to your DM or GM and make sure that uh, it has, it, it's usually like whatever animals you've seen. So talk to them and establish like what animals you've seen, um, get it out there, see like, if you want to do something really weird and wacky that isn't like where you're from, um, talk to them, tell them how you've seen it, right? So that when you, a critical moment comes, if you're like from the water, and I know they don't like you shift into aquatic animals and I think that's silly, but like, let's say you're from an island and you want to shift into a polar bear, right? You need to have that cleared with them first, just to be like, no, I went to a zoo and I worked there for a while and got to study the polar bear. Um, that kind of thing. But also, uh, so you don't have to buy a bajillion books. Uh, Roll20 is your friend. They have all of the animals there and you can just add it to your sheet. Yep. Digital uh, uh, character sheet holders are incredibly useful. Like I, uh, so much I easier use, now. I use D&D Beyond for so many things. Just like checking details uh, on things mm -hmm. is so useful. Um, yeah. Good tip. Good tip. Yeah, digital stuff is, and there's a, most of the animals are free to see on D and D Beyond. They, uh, some of them aren't. I remember laughing really hard that uh, a pig was a dollar ninety nine, and a pig has literally no abilities. <laughs> but charming though. 
Yeah. Uh, I remember when someone was saying that uh, a supplement of mine that was $1.99, that was a subclass, was too expensive. And I was like, it costs the same as a pig, and you can actually use this. <laughs> I didn't say that to them, but, yeah. you know, I, I knew it. Um, That's but... Yeah, but unless you want to shift to a pig, most of the animals are free to see on D&D Beyond, unless something has changed. I know they've since been purchased. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, they might have changed. I, I've not uh, paid attention to the intricacies lately, but uh, yeah. yeah. It does beg the question, how much is being a pig worth? How much is being a porcupine worth? Yeah, I think I had him use like badger stats or something mm. that was there. Yeah badger yeah. armadillo because porcupine isn't a thing yeah yeah and maybe it should be if a <laughs> maybe pig is. it should porcupine <laughs> justice <laughs> great i'm going to roll that dice oh one let's more time. let's find another question that is also a three what is wrong with this dice <laughs> okay okay three's my lucky number so i think it's just, just you know it's calling out to you yeah okay, this is this is what well I'm not going to ask you to tell us your favorite character class again. Uh, so I have re-rolled. Um, okay. And actually, this leads in kind of from what I was just asking about um, advice to someone who wants to play D uh, uh, druids for the first time. What advice would you give to a new player to, let's say, TTRPGs in general? Someone who's never TTRPG'd at all before, but would like to. Yeah. Okay. Um... Topic. Yeah, this is a big one. Well, I would say, um, pick, I, it, saying you're new to TTRPGs, uh, it really depends on the table because like, are you getting to pick the game? Mm -hmm. Uh, because in that case, pick a game that goes into what you want to do. I mean, ideally, like your GM will consider like what you want to do. But I know a lot of tables are somebody comes up and is like, hey, we're playing this. And that's not always ideal. I like tables where you have a session zero and you're like, hey, I would like us to run this or maybe this, but let's establish the tone. Let's establish the type of things that we want to do. But also like once you find a game that explores the things that you want to do, figure out like what you want your experience to be and try and facilitate that as a group um what everybody's experience i'm like rambling because i have so many thoughts about this but like do you want to be the person who feels really cool like do you want to have like a superhero fantasy do you want to have a really emotional connection with somebody do you want to just have a lot of laughs? Do you want to explore? Do you want to feel like you're having a Lord of the Rings saga and going on a big journey? Do you want to feel like you're like peasants living in the muck and dealing with old peasanty things? Uh, do you want to be like a baby dragon or a tiny horse and just frolic and have explore the power of friendship? Like there are games for all of these things. And they're all going to be really different experiences. But even within, like, if you pick one game, like, let's say you're playing D&D, you can still have a wide variety of tones. And decide with your table, like, okay, are we going to be having a silly time? Are we going to be having a serious time? Like, what, what do we want this to look like? And if you're just along for the ride, like, 
that's cool. It's your first time. But um, trust your party to help you. Like, pay attention to your character sheet. Like, know what you can do. But also, don't be afraid to try new things because you're new and you are going to attempt things that they haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. My favorite experiences running are for people who are new to the game because people who are more experienced players tend to focus so much on their character sheet and are like, okay, well, I can do this and I can do this and I'm good at this, so I'm only going to do these three things. Whereas people who are new to the game get really into the playing pretend of it all and are like, can I do this weird wacky thing that just came in my head? Like, what do I have to roll for that? Like, do that. That's great. That is so fun. And a good DM or GM will encourage that and be like, yeah, roll me whatever for this and let's make it happen and see where that takes you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been... Don't be afraid to play, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I've been been keeping or DMing for Brindlewood Bay lately. And one of the moves that the players have is their occult move. That At Mm -hmm. the very start of the game, uh, there's not a lot occult going on. But as you play, you start to unpick, there's this big supernatural conspiracy going on in the town. Um, So the occult move, you can't really use at the start, but whenever a player tries something that is occult, Mm -hmm. then you sort of build different variants of the move together. So it, it is very much that creative, like, can I try speaking to a ghost of someone that died recently? great let's roll and see how it goes and how are you trying to do that and what resources are you pulling to try and make this spell work uh, and yeah. that kind of thing so you build the spells together um, which is is really cool and leans into that idea of um, playfulness and thinking outside the box um, which is uh, which is great yeah I really love that tip um, it's so fun and also to, to go off like the thinking about what kind of experience are you after I guess it's if, if you're if you're so green to to games that maybe you don't play computer games either um thinking about like when you're watching tv when you're reading a book when you're watching mm-hmm. a film even listening to music what experiences do you tend to lean towards in those yeah. like do you watch tv for silly comfort lols or or for serious epics or that kind of thing because that will lean into the kind of adventure you want to have in a ttrpg mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, and there are some things you might be like more open to with certain tables than with others. Like yeah. I know there's some tables that I will definitely play like a romantic game with and others. Like we're just gonna be having fun. Yeah. Even if we try to have like a very serious game, there's gonna be somebody who's going to crack a joke mm-hmm. and make everything very funny very quickly and stop people from crying. So, you know, it just depends on setting that tone quickly and establishing like what are we what kind of thing are we going to do here yeah yeah do you have any um suggestions or advice about um t- particularly games i mean you said you've been playing hacks of lasers and feelings which uh, lean into the feelings it's right there in the title um yeah. games that lean into romance and have romance built in to the mechanics or the the core sort of ideals of the game or goals of the game for someone who's not done any um, TTRPG playing or, or even done any improv, um, do you have any advice for them about like how to go about it sensitively and make sure everyone's comfortable and, and that kind of thing? 
Yeah, safety tools are your friends. Um, and if you're new to DTRPGs, you might not know, but there are a couple of safety tools uh, that I love. Um, Kenna Shaw and Lauren Bryant Monk put together uh, the TTRPG safety toolkit. Um, Use it. Compiled from a lot of different uh, creators' safety tools, but there's the X card, which is if there's anything on the table, you could just say like, nope, I don't want this happening in my game. And it's gone. There's uh, lines and veils where you pre-establish like what's going to be in our game, uh, what is, well, not really what's going to be in our game, what is absolutely not going to be in our game. And then what's something that like we can touch on or it's going to be like off screen, but like our characters won't deal with. There's other, um, I can't remember what the system is called, but it's like the rewind, fast forward kind of thing where you like approach something slowly when someone's like, this is getting to an uncomfortable place for me. Can we maybe like just go slowly through it and I can pause it or mm -hmm. I didn't like that. Let's rewind it and um, make this something different, which is kind of the X card, but sort of a softer X. Yeah. <laughs> and I like all of those really yeah. um, and use them in a wide variety depending on the table and how well we know each other and the game honestly and debriefing afterwards so safety first <laughs> um and also there are some games that are built into uh mechanizing the romance like i've written a couple i wrote one called just gals being comrades where you're uh at least two women who are trying to confess their love to each other right before uh the proletariat takeover of somewhere and uh but there's also alex robert starcross there's pasiones uh pasiones de las pasiones by magpie games or by bright in the end Gambetta that's published by magpie games we're actually playing that later this month as well <laughs> and um those are all based on romance but approach it in kind of different ways and with the some of them will give you tools like say like ask you questions like how does it feel when other character does this or what do they smell like or do you want to touch their hair kind of thing stuff like that whereas others will just uh i'm thinking of thirsty sword lesbians will be like do you confess your love to this person do you kiss them in a moment of heated passion like while you're crossed swords and a lot of those are asking you questions and giving you agency over it. Um, in terms of being afraid of improv, I was actually just talking about this in a meeting yesterday. I find it very unfair in a lot of role-playing games that we expect people to act out everything their character says or does when it has to do with social stuff, when we don't expect them to cast magic or climb mountains or use a sword. Mm -hmm. So if you are if you are so uncomfortable with romance in your games that you don't want it at all, you don't have to play those games, period. But if you want to touch on it, but you don't feel comfortable acting it out yourself, most games allow you to just roll or like play a card or pull uh, the dice or the dice no the wood block from the block tower and uh without um and you can say like my character does this my character feels this my character wants this 
the same way you would say, okay, my character's gonna fight. My character cast this spell, right? You don't have to confess your love to the GM. <laughs> and I think for some people that can be a big relief that you mm. don't have to like act out a love scene at a table if you're not comfortable mm -hmm. doing that. Some people really love doing that and other people, it can be stressful because maybe you're not a naturally flirty person and you feel uncomfortable doing that so you shouldn't have to yeah and it's you know it's great for a, a gm to at the start of a, a game that might include that sort of content regardless of the system to sort of raise that and make sure everyone knows everyone's comfort levels um but mm -hmm. if if they don't then it's it's worth uh it's worth flagging for yourself um like uh i, I know a player that will just say at the start of game whether it's sort of it looks like it might be on the table or not we'll just say hey just so you know um my characters are non-romanceable and and that's that's fine i love um, that yeah i have a big list of lines and bales that i use for uh games that i run for magpie and on there one of the things uh that's included is like do you want uh romance between pcs mm -hmm. romance between pcs and npcs and then there's also like sex between PCs, sex between um, PCs and NPCs. Yeah. And people can say like, it's a line, it's a veil, or I'm interested in that. We have um, we have the questionnaire that we fill out before every campaign and it includes all of those like red light, uh, amber light, green light to, like, yeah. to everything. Although and sometimes it, it can feel a little bit odd being like, uh, green is enthusiastic consent. Yeah, I enthusiastically consent too. And then there's some slightly like more torture. like- torture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a torture thing is one that tends to be more of a an amber to red because it doesn't it doesn't work, people. Uh, but things <laughs> like, you know, you can understand that uh, there are awful things that could be an inciting incident for a great campaign. Like maybe there is uh, like a famine uh, mm -hmm. to take a slightly tamer version. So like extreme hunger, but for some people that is a red line. But yeah, for others it's like yes, enthusiastic consent for famine. <laughs> I know, <laughs> can feel weird, but it's it's an important thing to go through. Just so yeah. we, we you, you all know that uh, you're on the on the same level. Um, I wanted to get into because you mentioned uh, a, a little while ago that you make games. So I do. About those. I make a lot of games, sometimes <laughs> independently, and sometimes for other people. It's my full time job, actually. Amazing. And I. Um, co-own a company called Unseely Studios. We're working on our first big release. That's the meeting I was in yesterday. And uh, hopefully getting that game out this year. So that should be exciting. It was going to be an adventure and then the OGL debacle happened. And uh -huh. now we are making our own game system, which Incredible. is, uh, I make a lot of small indie games and making a big robust system is more work. Mm. So how are you finding longer. that scope creep you know there's a lot but it's not you know with more people working on it than just me it is not as bad as it could be it's mm -hmm. it's pretty fun are you is it at the point where you've announced like a title have you got an online place that we can point people to uh, you can go to unseelystudios.com the adventure that is still going to come with the new game we have not named it the game system but the adventure which you know was ready and is uh -huh. now being rewritten for the system is called the unseemly courts Great. so that is still uh 
a title. We just need to. We need to name the game. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's gonna end up like it's gonna end up like Thetis or something like the Dragon Age system. It's gonna uh-huh. be like the Unsealies. I'm joking. I don't want it to call it that, but you know, we just keep calling it like Unsealy RPG, and I'm like, uh-huh. I really don't want to release this as like <laughs> the Unsealy RPG. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess it's uh, there's un- unsealy is a term that people are very familiar with, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of content that's about that. So it's yeah, being a bit more specific, I guess, would help mm-hmm. with you finding your niche. But uh, <laughs> but it sounds exciting, uh, like developing yeah. your own system. Um, you so you predominantly uh, design TTRPGs, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, But you also work on computer RPGs as well, a little bit. Yeah, I uh, contract for a thinking ape on their uh, Kingdoms at War video game. So I write storylines for that. Amazing. How do you find the difference between writing for for that and writing for the TTRPGs you write? Um, It's... The... Well, it's interesting because uh, it's a much shorter turnaround. For video games instead of like you know you have a month or two to work on this and develop it it is like you have two weeks and instead of a word count it's always a character count mm-hmm. because it has to fit on the screen yes and uh the character count tool online is my best friend <laughs> to check like that the sentences i'm going with work also because this game does a lot uh has a lot of just you know items that you get or collect uh there is i never thought i would describe stuff so much in my (laughs) life i i describe a lot of stuff and furniture i have learned so much about armor and so much about uh chairs my google search is so (laughs) weird They they think that I am shopping for some really bizarre stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's fun because in this little world, you know, I could come up with pretty much anything and go and do some cool stuff. They're a great team to work for. But I don't deal a lot with the mechanics. And in right. TTRPGs, it's a lot of like... I mean, obviously, it's how do the mechanics affect the game but that's so built in right Mm -hmm. the first thing that was hard for me was i wanted players when i was writing dialogue i wanted to have characters have conversations and the way that that game is set up you know you have a limited number of characters that have pictures that can have dialogue for it you can't just build art assets in two weeks uh, of new characters and have them talk to each other so you can't be like yeah here's infinite npcs yeah so having to structure conversations when maybe only one person is there and have that one person like describe an area to the player be like oh this is what i'm seeing and wow i just had that conversation with someone instead of literally having them talk to a peasant that the player can't see because there is no yeah. peasant asset i uh, i love the so the, it's not really a meme, but it's still going. Around. I, I know a lot of games industry people, but they uh, they joke about um, the, it's the the handbag problem, right? If a if a if a game writer is sitting there and goes, "Oh yes, um, this, uh, uh, this this character pulls an item out of their handbag," um, uh-huh. what causes a cascade of issues? <laughs> 
uh, all the way down the production line of people being like, okay, well, have they always had this handbag? What kind of handbag? What textures? Where does the handbag go when they're not holding it? Um, mm -hmm. All the other characters now have to have a handbag. Um, like all of the different departments suddenly going into panic mode because a writer didn't think about this tiny little detail. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so I, I don't envy you. Uh, it must be, uh, must be <laughs> It's a little tricky. Uh, luckily, this game doesn't get that, like, I, I can't change the character assets. Character assets were made when I came in, so I can't be like, oh, yeah, uh, the knight now has a backpack kind of thing, unless, you know, he's going to immediately put it down. <laughs> he just has it from this one, one line, line of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no one is animating it. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, yeah. And then there'll be like a little item that's just the backpack. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to dig into, you said that your uh, you, your Google search history is uh, is unusual, which I, I also appreciate. Um, I, as people will know, I, I'm a voice actor and director. So sometimes when I'm given an audition, they're like, we want it to sound like this person. So my YouTube will suddenly look like I'm stalking a particular celebrity. <laughs> or like, it's this accent. And I'm like, oh, do I know this accent well enough? And it's suddenly like, uh, just like a whole list of like Northern Irish uh, videos and that kind of thing. So I appreciate like the very hyper niche uh, Google search history. What is the weirdest thing that you think you've had to go go deep into research on? Oh God, there have been a couple, um, and not just for that game, for like uh, TTRPG stuff. Mm -hmm. There's the easy one of like how the rate of body decay in different environments which mm -hmm. just get like if someone stumbled upon this body in the desert how what state would it be in um could they have fingernails <laughs> to find kind of stuff i've got way too in depth on ships from uh -huh. specific time periods and how many people are needed to crew them i am not a nautical person and yet yeah. i always end up writing about friggin ships <laughs> and so frigate not friggin ah haha -ha. <laughs> and like the military ranks of people who would be on ships yeah. and like what the rules are but for the video game specifically uh because we give art references for all of the assets uh, a lot of the image searches that I just pull up where I'm like, I need this thing. It kind of looks like this, but also like this and this other thing. A lot of it is just, you know, stuff on Amazon. So it goes into my Amazon history. So Amazon will be like, <laughs> based on your recommendation, based on your recent searches, it looks like you're interested in crystal orbs, puzzle boxes, weaponry, and uh, blood bags. <laughs> kind of thing and i'm like no this, and this sounds like this sounds like my amazon shopping basket anyway so, yeah, yeah. And it's like and cat food and yeah. i'm like i do need to reorder cat food <laughs> thank you for the reminder <laughs> amazon. and also my sword <laughs> uh, but i think what you, you touched on there though is and something like motorcycle sort of... boots or something and like oh yeah, god there yeah, was yeah. one because I was, it was a demon set. And so I kept looking up various types of cat and nine tails. And uh, <laughs> I got very 
into a lot of fetish sites that uh where it was like here's some barbed whips and barbed armor and then it was like hey here's some muzzles for you kind of thing and i was like thanks but really useful thank you good girl <laughs> a barbed muzzle for walking your pet <laughs> but hey you know I, I i'd say what you do with your free time is down to what you do with your paid time you know great yeah <laughs> I, what I wanted to pick up on though was the uh, like the weird niche knowledge as mm -hmm. well because this was something that when I uh, before I started DMing I found a little bit intimidating because I felt like not only do I feel like I need to know the DM's guide back to front or the, whatever manual you don't I know you now, now I know you don't but I think mm -hmm. it was one of the um, one of the barriers I put on myself to DMing and made me so oh, yeah. about doing it was I feeling like I needed to know the manual for whatever game back to front um, mm -hmm. at the top but also just basic things like how the world works like I am terrible at geometry figuring Same. out like how far 300 feet is I don't know I have no reference for what how far that is like all of that kind of thing and then weird niche knowledge like how quickly does a corpse desiccate in the desert how long would and if your player has weird niche knowledge about that mm -hmm. and then comes in with making assumptions based off your terrible Not knowledge, knowledge. Yeah. yeah then that that was something that worried me yeah i definitely had a player who was a botanist at one point mm. and was like there's some magic stuff going on here because these plants are wrong and i was like or your dm just doesn't know about plants <laughs> and had to be like the plants are fine i yeah. just named plants that i know <laughs> just a little, little dm like hot tip it's fine <laughs> uh yeah for gms there there's nothing wrong with saying like i don't know i just winging a rule and then you'll look it up later yeah. And at the next session, you can either say like, hey, I was wrong about this. This is how we're going to do it from now on. Or you can say, I was wrong about this, but I like what we did better. So let's keep doing that because that was cooler. Yeah, really cool. Absolutely. And I guess this is the, the extra layer of pressure. If you're doing it uh, online for an audience, mm -hmm. um, you, you might feel that pressure to be perfect. But I mean, that's that's what we have little pause cards for and, and that kind of thing. I'm just going to pause that while I look this thing up. Uh, or even, I think it would be nicer to foster a, a sense of being comfortable doing that whilst streaming so the audience can see, oh, even the people that I'm watching that I think are really good, they're not flawless and they have to look stuff up and that normalizes um, that attitude of it's okay to not know everything and I can look stuff up in the middle of session because I mean if you if you watch something like um, like Critical Role or Dimension 20 where it's so polished mm -hmm. and, and yeah. fantastic um, you'd be forgiven for, for feeling intimidated mm -hmm. I think but I mean the earlier games Matt Mercer's stood there with the manual flipping through and checking stuff so yeah and we've definitely had there have been rules where i've said like i don't know i think it's this let's go with this and then somebody in chat will be like yeah. oh hey jess i know you've already like house ruled this but this is the actual rule and uh sometimes i'm grateful for that 
other times when people are like, no, you're wrong. You need to fix this. I don't love that so much. Yeah. So, uh, but it is everything. nice. Tone is everything. Yeah. Hel helpful is nice. Patronizing is not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is nice when, you know, sometimes we'll straight up ask chat. We'll be like, hey, Chad, do you remember what this is? Yeah. And sometimes they do. Like, that's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, right yeah there. absolutely. Because I don't I know everything. I guess that's, this is one of the benefits of uh, of doing the games live. We pre-record everything we do, so we don't um, we don't get that immediate back and forth between our audiences. Um, but we definitely see we have people that are watching the chat and sort of taking. There are excellent ideas, excellent chats, um, and uh, and and people do offer up the rules. But um, we're we're quite lucky. Our, our audiences tend to be pretty blooming marvelous. Yes, you are. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we don't tend to get that many assholes which is nice that's nice yeah uh lovely i am going to roll the dice find a new question hey. okay this dice is i don't know if it's a blessing or a curse but i just rolled another nine that's two threes and two nines so and nine you know is three threes I, well right really i should roll another nine right now to no okay but we are sticking to the theme of threes because that is a 12. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, why, why are TTRPGs important to you? I love that they give you, I mean, I was going to say that the jerk ass answer is because they're how I make a living and yeah. the don't get paid. <laughs> uh, but that's not why I got into them to begin with. That would be a terrible reason uh, because it is very hard to make a living at this. Mm -hmm. uh, so and the, congratulations the, to you for managing it. Thank you. Uh, but the the non-mercenary and true answer is how often as an adult do you get a chance to just play mm -hmm. and play with your friends? Uh, because even like way back when I was an opera singer. And Amazing. so you kind of get to play on a stage, but you're playing with people that you don't really know. You get to know them after a while, but you're with them for like two weeks and then you go meet new people and that's fun. But like with TTRPGs, you get to play and make the whole world. It's not like a prescribed thing. You're not putting on a play. You're not putting on an opera or a musical. Like you are creating something as a table and you're playing pretend with a group of people together that you like. And that's so cool. Yeah. What's not to like? I love it. And you can explore new aspects of yourself. Like it's almost a trope at this point how many people realized they were trans through ttrpgs how many people realized that uh they were different sexuality than they thought through ttrpgs um but it gives you a chance to play uh to explore that safely mm -hmm. with other people and to try out like oh how does this gender feel oh how does it feel flirting with uh somebody of a different gender than i usually date kind of thing and just oh i do like being a girl oh i do like being able to change my gender on a whim kind of thing and experience what it's like to be someone other than yourself and build mm -hmm. that empathy for other worldviews mm -hmm. and that i think is important to society at large yeah absolutely and it's the, the sort of the exercising of the demons of um in in the real world it's 
not very often that you can band together with your friends and fix something large. Yeah. Whether that be literally slaying a dragon that is terrorizing things or, or actually speak to the dragon and persuade it that what it's doing is wrong and should do things a different way or let's change mm -hmm. the world with peace and love you know <laughs> yeah it's this idealism that uh we we don't necessarily get to enact in real life but you can and like you can affect things depending on the game in like a small way or a large way you can go to other planes you can go to other times you can experience being like a teeny tiny thing that runs through keyholes or a big massive creature who like crushes buildings and then deals with the fallout of either feeling, you know, wow, I'm so badass, I crushed a whole town or like, oh my gosh, we came here and I accidentally crushed this village. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's, I I love it. <laughs> Do you on on that then? I guess do you um, in the, across the games you've played? How often do you find yourself uh, playing games that focus on um, collaboration and friendship and fixing wrongs compared to all the time, all the time? <laughs> but but compared to because uh, I think that's the, the majority of TTRPGs is is that kind of vibe mm -hmm. compared to let's explore destroying stuff and being a bit evil. Um, yeah, it's usually the collaboration and friendship. I have had a couple where it was let's destroy and stuff and be a bit evil. Some of those were specifically more like geared into be like, we're going to be like bad people mm -hmm. in this one. Um, like recently I played on Phoenix Iwaki's channel and it was a specifically evil campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I disappointed him because I took evil a different direction where I was like, oh no, I'm going to psychologically manipulate you and you uh -huh. know, become your friend and then, you know, hurt you later. And everyone was uh -huh. like, why is she so nice? <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones oh. you have to look out for. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, uh, I have had tables where it was like a mouse guard game. Mm -hmm. And in mouse guard, you're all playing your tiny little mouse and you are members of the watch and you have a very specific job and my mice decided to do war crimes <laughs> they couldn't get someone to talk to them they couldn't get a mayor to talk to them so they burned down the entire tree that okay. a village lived in uh because they were mad at the mayor and i was like we need to talk about your role in the guard <laughs> and what you're getting from this game established tone <laughs> Yeah, like let's I will let you do this, but let's talk about why you're doing it and if this is the game that you want to be playing. Because uh -huh. that was really one player who was like, let's start a fire. And the other players were like, that doesn't seem very mouse guardy. <laughs> you know, so um I have had some players who uh when diplomacy fails, they burn down a building. But um which, you know is fun depending on the game yeah yeah if you're playing a game where that's sort of the laid down as part of the intentions of the game then then fair enough yeah but i was like this is a war crime <laughs> little, little mouse guards oh no and you're supposed to be protecting this tree the so maybe not they'll never get their cheese <laughs> I mean, oh I guess you don't have to protect them from the, the rat invasion if there's nothing to protect. But... 
There was something else you mentioned before that I was going to pick up on, and I've completely forgotten it. Uh, so I'm going to roll the dice. Okay. I think I think we've got time for for one, maybe two. We'll see more. Okay, we've lost the rule of threes. Um, okay, this might this might be quite a, a big one. I guess we'll see. I, uh, is there a moment in a TTRPG that impacted your life out of game? Oh. Yes, but in a bad way. Oh no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only talk about it if you want to. No, it was, uh, so we talked about safety tools earlier and I'll just talk about how like important they are because I've been at tables where uh, somebody played an X card and the DM or GM laughed and ignored it and kept oh. going. And so that caused problems with friendship that brought up like, uh, either for me or for the other person who played the X card. It's happened at a couple tables I've been at with different GMs uh, or uh, or something where it, someone was forced to role play something traumatic and it brought up like flashbacks to that trauma. And uh, so that was definitely a real life impact and yeah. uh, not in a good way. Yeah. So I'm pay so attention to those safety tools. We have them for a reason. Yeah, if you're going to DM and you're going to introduce them, actually honor them because that's that's a massive betrayal of people's trust. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you had that experience. It's okay. Um, I just want other people to not do that. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, I have another, another one. Okay, we're back to threes. It's still pretty low, though. Uh, none of the high questions. You need for a you. new D twenty. I know. Well, I'm hoping. I'm just exercising all the low rolls out of it. So when I actually need to use it for a game later this week, it will be okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question to end on. Uh, Ooh. How did you start playing TTRPGs? Okay. Uh in fits and starts actually i tried uh when i was in high school because my high school boyfriend was really into them and i went to make a character for dnd 3.5 i got midway through character creation and then the dm showed up and was like this is boys night we don't have girls at the table you have to leave so i got really mad and i left and i didn't play again for oh. almost 15 years no oh that's so sad <laughs> and, and I was like, this is stupid. It's a nerd game. Yeah. And uh, then I uh, was hanging out at my local game store with now my partner and some of uh, his friends, one of whom works at the game store. And he was like, it's bizarre that you don't play TTRPGs because you love mythology, you love fantasy, you used to be a performer, you would have fun. Mm. And I was finally like, well, they look like they're having fun of freaks and geeks and on community, so I'll play uh, Stranger Things Hadn't Come Out. I was like, let's play D&D, and he was like, no, because everybody wants to play D&D, and if you start with D&D, you'll never play anything else. So we're going to play Tunnels and Trolls, okay. <laughs> and, uh, which came out the same year as D&D, &D. Uh, and... Yeah, so we played that. And he was like, and then you could play D&D just so that you don't get stuck in the D&D uh -huh. trap. Um, I don't know if I would have started with Tunnels and Trolls. It's very complicated. Right. I would definitely start somebody with like PBTA probably or something mm -hmm. more stripped down. Yeah. 
not uh, D&D, but more rules. <laughs> Something like D&D 3.5. But yeah, it was so fun. And uh, I just kind of took off from there. And then I GM'd for the first time it was Mouse Guard because it was something I really wanted to play and nobody would run it for me. So Oh no, I, was was the, the Burn the Tree Down Mouse Guard your first time GMing? I mean that wasn't my first session, but that okay. was my first campaign. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so I yeah, and then just kinda went from there and got locked into a perma GM role. <laughs> But it's it's been great, and I love it. I'm so glad that I uh, that that friend was like, "You should be yeah. playing," because I, I should have. Yeah, and you know, shout out to this. There's loads of us, I, I think, who um, didn't quite uh, get the the tip over into into it when they were younger, and and mm-hmm. come to D and D like post teenage years. Because it was uh, banned in my house as a little kid because of because Satan. of the Satanism. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I never quite had that. Uh, we were just very much a, a PC gaming household, and mm. then when I went to uni, I was with all of the the drama kids and the music kids, and we didn't have any... oh, my kids. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't have a. We didn't have a geek society or a D and D society or anything like that. Um, so I'm very grateful that my uh, my younger siblings did have those opportunities to actually meet fellow hello fellow nerds. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> if you don't uh, meet the the right um, the right people, if you don't meet the the people that are also doing that, it can be incredibly hard to persuade your your group of friends that this is a thing that you yeah. uh, you should do together. Um, although I will now, I would always encourage any actors or performers of any variety uh, that were thinking, oh, I'm maybe I quite like this, but I don't quite know. I'm not nerdy enough, all that kind of thing. I will always try and push them over to the edge, over the edge into trying it, because uh-huh. um, doing D and D has improved my improv skills so much. Oh yeah, I used to be terrified of improv. I was yeah. so bad because there's so much pressure to be funny. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of improv theater is based on being funny, but improv doesn't have to be funny. Improv can be very serious and it's a lot of reacting in the moment. I'm telling you this and you already know, but like- It's not just me, there's there's a whole audience out there. But like you learn that uh, and you do get so much better at that doing uh, TTRPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just having that extra structure. Like when when we did uh, improv classes in school and I'm talking like, middle school high school um mm-hmm. other than college uh it was always like everyone sit in a circle and uh and go go into the middle and be funny and you just like yeah and it was always the the loudest uh kids that were just being most ridiculous and it was always like the the lowest common denominator jokes and it just got very dull very quickly and was not interesting to me at all so i just sort of shut that out as something that oh i just don't do improv which is an actor is terrible um, yeah <laughs> so so yeah uh a lot, lot to thank dnd for in terms and, and ttrpgs for in in that regard um i've waffled on about me this is about you yeah, um, that was interesting okay i i did an entire week-long workshop in high school that was improv and it was basically like learning what was it the five set where it was like the you do the five skits and build on them kind of thing where it was like go somebody do a thing now somebody else go in and build on that and change it and then somebody else come in and build on that but bring it back to the first thing 
and just do that. And I was always like, I'm not funny enough to do yeah. any of these things. So I'll just stand in the back and watch and hope they don't pull me on stage. Yeah. And it's so sad because there's going to be so many uh, so many kids out there that are funny just in their own way. Or you could really deliver a deadpan line, but it doesn't necessarily work if the rest of your team is going... Blah, 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 right. And doesn't give you a chance to just stop and go, this is shit. Right. Because right. that, that would be funny <laughs> if, if you were given the space to do that. But mm-hmm. yeah, so there's a lot of uh, hungry for attention people that don't know when to throw Stop. the buck over to someone else but that's it's something good to learn for D as well i think you, the, there's i was about to say so that's something you learn in tjrpg just passing the spotlight and yeah. sharing it yeah exactly uh lovely well we're we're coming to uh close on our time jess is there anything you wanted to shout about you've not had a chance to no this has been so great and i'm so grateful you had me on it's uh, been lovely to get to know you Come watch Three Flings on Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern. I know if you're in the UK, you're probably asleep, but well, uh, you can watch maybe. us on YouTube. <laughs> It'll probably be uh, we we have a couple of uh, of uh, night owls that, that watch us, but it's gonna literally because this is gonna be going out on a Friday as well, so it'll be a few mm-hmm. hours later. Just you know, go take Just a break, stay up. get your dinner, hang out, come back, and watch watch Three Flings and and uh, shout out about your your fundraising again. Yeah, we're fundraising for the Montana Cheese Spirit Society, and I will send you links uh, for that once we have them. So they should be scrolling over I here so. or over here. I think over I can here. Never remember Wherever they which are. Way. Probably this way. Scrolling here. <laughs> Definitely not here. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you, Jess, once again for, for joining us. And thank you, audience, for joining us for Talk Together. You'll find us here every Friday from 6 or 7 p.m. Uh, BST at the moment. And on Mondays and Tuesdays, we are streaming our D&D games. On Mondays, uh, at the moment, we're alternating between, I believe, it's Lola's game, Monsters and Maelstroms. And then every other Monday, there's also Fracture, our long-running campaign. And on Tuesdays, uh, we've, we're doing replays of our old campaigns. Oh, now then. Will we still be on Sea of Swords? We might have moved on by now to our, to our next. Keep an eye out in chat. I'm sure the kobolds will will let you know what uh, what the exact schedule is. Um, all of this you can find right here at t- uh, twitch.tv forward slash Roll Together RPG, or you could be watching elsewhere. So it could be right here on YouTube, Roll Together RPG, or right here on your podcast of choice under Roll Together RPG. Um, all the VODs are available immediately afterwards to, to catch up. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much again to all of our sponsors and supporters and our D20 club. You're all amazing, amazing people. Uh, if you want to be as cool as they are, you can do so. You can uh, sponsor us from as little as one of your local currencies per month. Um, thank you again, Jess. And uh, uh, we, ha- we so have much. our little catchphrase we we're supposed to say at the end. Of- well, I say suppose. Some people are very angry about it and some care less. Uh, but uh, regardless of how you feel about it, always stay classy at the table.